It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Brady Trantham, and for the next 30 minutes or so, you will be Locked On Thunder. Today, we've got some more good news on the testing negative for coronavirus front concerning the NBA and concerning some players that Thunder fans are more than familiar with, but good news overall. And then we'll pick up from our conversation yesterday on what what questions remain if the NBA season is ultimately scrapped. Before that, I just wanted to remind everybody just to go check out thefranchiseok.com. Just go to the front page. You'll find my last name uh, as a tab, and you can click that and find the article where I'm basically going to go back over and then go into a little bit more detail as to what I was meaning, because that was mainly just kind of like a stream of consciousness, notes, just questions that were popping in my head I put down on the document put it out there for people just to read and agree or disagree with. But yeah, go to thefranchiseok.com for that. And just over an hour ago, reports started emerging that the Utah Jazz, including Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, have all tested negative for the coronavirus. Of course, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were the only players to test positive for the coronavirus over two weeks ago. While the rest of the team staff members, coach, coaching staff, and even the traveling media in Oklahoma City that night when the game was canceled, all tested negative that day. But they were all tested again after practicing social distancing and self-quarantine. They're all negative, but now Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have tested negative, which is, of course, another bit of good news, especially with Christian Wood testing negative yesterday. Again, it's, it's just it's good to remember that while it is incredibly unfortunate that people are dying and it's unfortunate that people have to die in order for it seems like the rest of the country, the rest of the world to take things seriously and listen to guidelines from the CDC, guidelines from smart scientists. It's always good news to hear that people are getting it but are still recovering without having to be hospitalized. And again, it's not a death sentence. And I don't mean to be morbid, but every time the every time an official tweets out like statistics concerning COVID-19 positive testing in Oklahoma. You know, they'll usually do it by like county breakdown. And of course, Oklahoma County has the most. Cleveland County, I believe, is the second most. And then, and then Tulsa has third. But you go all the way down to the bottom and then you see out of state and it just says two. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, two NBA all-stars, two guys that we love watching play basketball for the most part. I just keep trying to put myself in the frame of mind of three, five years from now. How am I going to look back on that night? How am I going to look back on this, the whole ordeal? And then especially when we're looking at it through the lens of Oklahoma City basketball. World According to America stopped when the NBA decided to cancel the game between the Thunder and the Jazz. We're always going to look back on that moment as a benchmark and it's going to live on forever and forever and in books, magazines, 
whatever form of media, whenever they relive that moment, you're always going to see the Oklahoma City logo at midcourt because it was in Chesapeake Energy Arena. And on that note, and I, I might have said this probably on an earlier podcast when I'm talking about the fan base for Oklahoma City, but obviously it happened before this moment, uh, being the cancellation of the Jazz and Thunder game. But this fan base in the 10 plus years that it's been around has been through about every little thing that you could possibly go through without winning a championship. They've gone through bad season, an, like an awful season being the first one. They've been through a season where they have talents, but injuries, injuries, injuries forced them to miss the playoffs in 2014. They've been through numerous deep postseason runs. They've been to a finals. They've won a finals game. They've had a superstar leave them for nothing. They've had superstars choose to play there. They've had six man of the year. They have had all NBA, multiple MVPs. They've had, again, just about everything. And now add this to the resume of Oklahoma City basketball. Sports stopped in Oklahoma City. (laughs) Well, well, well. Just a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, Electricity went out for a few hours. And I had recorded what you have just listened to. And now, um, in the hours since, some other news has come out. And basically, I didn't get to obviously announce that we were going to talk about this at the beginning of the show because that was hours ago. (laughs) Uh, Classic podcasting, you know. Um, So I'll just go ahead and run right through some two little uh, news nuggets that have come out in the last few hours. With the Thunder, Danilo Gallinari is pledging 400 test kits for the Oklahoma State Health Department as well as a lot of personal protection gear for nurses, doctors, and other healthcare providers and professionals, like N95 masks, face shield guards, gloves, everything that they need to help uh, do their job as quickly and efficiently and as safely as possible. Uh, obviously, with Danilo Gallinari being Italian, this is something that has affected him a little bit longer probably than most Americans. Um, he's been very vocal about social distancing and the importance of listening to healthcare providers as much as possible. He doesn't want what's happening in Italy to happen here in America. And I've always, over the last week and a half, I like, I basically I've thought about Danilo Gallinari quite a bit. Um, you know, I've, I've had obviously a lot of chances to talk to the guy. He's incredibly professional, easy to talk to awesome to talk to but on a human level it's really sad that you know the NBA announced a week about a week ago that you know they're closing down all their training facilities and basically the NBA is on even more of a halt than when it was two weeks ago when the season got postponed and players are now able to travel with social distancing being important but at least be able to travel back to their homes where they live where their families are so they can be with their families during this time Except for foreign-born players, they're not allowed to travel outside America. And that, of course, affects a lot of players on the Thunder. Dennis Schroeder being from Germany. Shea Gilts-Alexander, Lou Dort being from Canada. Steven Adams from New Zealand. And, of course, Danilo Gallinari from Italy. Now, Danilo actually has his American home in Denver. I don't know if he's gone back to Denver or if he's still here in Oklahoma City. But, obviously, Danilo Gallinari is more than unable to go to Italy. And I don't even know if he'd want to at this point, uh, considering how hazardous and dangerous it is in that country. So the human side has always of me has always felt, felt really, really bad about Danilo Gallinari because of just what he's had to experience. Uh, he had uh, close friends, grandparents pass away from COVID-19. 
And he's no doubt probably has a lot more people in his life that are dealing with it either directly or indirectly back home in Italy. So uh, prayers go out to Danilo, Danilo Gallinari for sure. And also this is just a really cool thing to see what he's doing to help out as much as he can with the uh, healthcare front in Oklahoma. And then some very shocking, sad, but then at the end of the day, some pretty happy news uh, concerning the NBA. Everybody's favorite, Doris Burke, announced on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast, The Woj Pod, that she had tested positive for COVID-19, and she basically went through her entire process uh, going back to March 11th when she felt incredible fatigue. Uh, the next few days, she just could not get out of bed because she was incredibly tired, and then as more information came in about symptoms and what to look for, what to be cognizant of. She felt that it was her responsibility because of her job and all the travel that's involved with it to go get tested. She was supposed to wait two to four days for the result, and she unfortunately had to wait eight days before she got a positive result. Uh, but obviously she's on a podcast talking to Adrian Wojnarowski um, now with the eight days to wait, as well as it be going back all the way to March 11th. It seems like she's well on her way to recovery, if not damn near close to being fully recovered, just like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Christian Wood. Um, it's a it's a wonderful listen if you want to get more of a perspe- personal pers- perspective of what to look for in your own body. And then if X, Y, or Z happens to you, this is something that you could potentially experience. Every, obviously, everybody loves Doris Burke around the NBA. I've had a few chances to chat with her over my years covering the Thunder when she's come to town to co- call a Thunder game. Incredibly nice, incredibly thoughtful, does a fantastic job. And I highly recommend listening to that podcast because when I first saw on Twitter that uh, Woj had announced that, yeah, Doris Burke's on the podcast where she announces that she's tested positive, I, of course, thought, oh, no thinking that it was fairly recent. But again, she's been dealing with it, you know, at least the knowledge that she had had it for over a week. And she had had it for a week prior to that. And with what I can gather how the virus acts in the human body, and especially with the quarantine policy of about two weeks, it's probably safe to assume that she's well on her way to being fully recovered from COVID-19. So that is, of course, great, great news. But again, go listen to that podcast. I highly recommend it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Thunder is a great way for your local business to reach out to passionate Thunder fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Thunder fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit Locked On visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. 
Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit locked on podcast slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. And now finally for the topic that I actually wanted to get to in yesterday's podcast, but we ran out of time. So with each passing day, and again, I want to be as optimistic as possible, but there's also the realistic pragmatic side of me that I can't deny. But with each passing day, it just seems more and more likely that the NBA just won't be able to finish out their season this year. I don't know what their long-term plans are in terms of starting the following season or if they're just going to have a stubborn attitude of, no, we are going to finish this season regardless. But I want to dive into the realm of what questions could arise with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who were already scheduled to have quite a busy offseason anyway. What are, what's going to happen with the Thunder and Sam Presti and all these players if there is no postseason? So let's get into topic number one, and that is Shea Gillis-Alexander. Now, the thing that we were going to learn from SGA in this postseason is just where where is he at in his development in terms of being the guy in terms of scoring in a postseason. And I think we can all remember his incredible play last year with the Clippers against the Warriors in a fun six-game series, especially with his Game 5 being the biggest eye-opener with his defense and his ability to score. It was really his big coming-out party for a big national global audience. But again... SGA was the third, fourth, and fifth object option on that Clippers team and was basically a luxury piece for them in terms of what he brings to the table with his versatility and his length and his athleticism. He wasn't the guy that the Warriors were putting out all the stops to take out of the game. No doubt whoever the Thunder were going, were going to play in the postseason, one of the first, if not probably the first, bullet point on the scouting report would be Make it difficult for Shea Gillis-Alexander to get into the paint as much as possible for turn him into a jump shooter. His catch-and-shoot numbers aren't where you'd really like them to be. They're not awful. They're, not, they're a little bit above average, but I would want them to still get higher, and they're no doubt going to get higher as his career takes off. His off-the-dribble numbers are a little bit average to below average, and that is, again, going to get better as time goes on. But it's certainly the way that you'd want to stop Shagel Alexander and the Thunder offense is to basically treat him like he's Giannis Antetokounmpo, a much better shooting Giannis Antetokounmpo, but pack the paint as much as possible. Don't let him get into the paint. Don't let him get to the rim and finish with his athleticism and his scoop shots. When he's going downhill, the Thunder's offense is so much better, and that is a quote not from me but from Chris Paul. Now what we were going to learn is, is he ready to be that guy just yet? Would the stage be too bright, too big? Would it be too much of him? Would it be too much of us to expect a second-year player to just pick up from the regular season and average around 20 to 25 points per game in a postseason series against a team that's scheming to stop you? And maybe he would. Maybe he would take his game to another level. But if he didn't, to what extent does he play? Is he a detriment? Is he bad? Is he average? Is he fairly good is he very good is he an all-star level like whatever category you want it to be the thunder were going to find something out for their develop development moving forward and maybe if he's anywhere from average to below average on those categories maybe sam presti and the thunder realize okay that wasn't a very good sign we're not going to dump on him by any means but Perhaps we'll need to start identifying guys that can potentially be the guy while SGA can be the great number two behind that guy. 
And again, you can't really base everything off of one postseason experience. You all remember Victor Oladipo's postseason debut as an NBA player was actually with the Thunder in that 2016-17 playoffs. And Victor Oladipo was average to say at best. He was probably much below average in that series. And even though that was disappointing, I mean, obviously, if you just would have dumped on Victor Oladipo, you'd have been silly because... We all know what Victor Lodipo is capable of when he's healthy. But I think it's a fair question to ask, considering how SGA played, and the Thunder are going to potentially miss out on that. The next big topic, in my opinion, would be a guy like Chris Paul. The thing with him is always going to be health in terms of front offices wanting to deal for him. It's always going to be health. And he's had no problem getting through regular seasons over the last few years, except for last year and a little bit of the year before. It's always been the postseason that's kind of haunted him in terms of his health. He's gotten through this season healthy, 100%. But for front offices to find him that much more attractive as an asset to trade for, he'd have to have not only just a good postseason showing, but also get through it healthy and the Thunder are going to miss out on that. But it could end up being kind of a win-win anyway because Chris Paul technically got through an entire season if the season is canceled, which makes him that much more appealing for a trade. Are the Thunder going to be able to trade him in the offseason with the way this is going? That I don't know, but if you've been listening to the podcast whenever the topic comes up, when the season was just normal, it was normal everyday basketball, I've always said that I thought Chris Paul would be traded around draft night, if not on draft night. That is, of course, up in the air right now. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And then the last thing is just kind of a a normal question. How do the young guys act? Unfortunately, we weren't able to ever see Darius Baisley return from his injury to see how long it would, A, take for him to integrate back into the rotation, and B, was Darius Baisley actually the defensive cog to make the Thunder go in terms of guys in their rotation? Because with no Darius Baisley, the Thunder's defense didn't fall off the face of the earth, but the numbers did kind of get inflated. And it's because, not necessarily because of Darius Baisley not being there, but because you have to play Hamdu Diallo more, Abdul Nader more, Mike Muscala more, or combinations of those players. And they're no doubt going to make your defensive numbers look a little bit worse Darius Baisley's a high IQ basketball player, and if you have a high IQ on the floor, it's probably going to help you out more defensively, first of all, than it does offensively. The guy makes a lot of the right plays, and when he makes mistakes, he's typically trying to make the right play anyway. He's just not there yet in his development. But it would have been great to see how he handles the postseason. It would have been great to see how Hamadou Diallo handles the postseason. Terrence Ferguson, 
Lou Dort, of course. You know, the Thunder were going to figure out a lot of ways in which they should invest in these young players moving forward. Is Terrence Ferguson truly going to be a part of the future, or is he sadly a little bit past where the young phase, where you have a margin for error, and the Thunder decide, okay, we we can't really invest in this guy long-term moving forward like he's an Andre Robertson. And the Thunder are going to potentially miss out on a lot of that. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast. Again, apologies for it coming out a little bit later in the day, but technical difficulties, but you got some extra news out of it. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you all enjoy your weekend. Please be safe out there. Stay home as much as possible. But until Monday, I will talk to you later. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 